Hi everyone, this week's guest is Molly Forbes. You may know Molly if you watched Naked Beach earlier this year. I have not watched it yet and need to watch it on catch up after having this conversation with Molly because she is so positive and inspiring. She also has a podcast so make sure you check that out if you feel inspired as much as I am by this conversation. Today we are talking about body love, body confidence and letting go of the pressure that so often as women we put on ourselves to constantly be on a diet. So Molly has a fantastic campaign running um, at the moment which is hashtag free from diets and she also is campaigning to stop weight loss companies like Weight Watchers and Slimming World from essentially advertising around children. So this has opened my eyes to how much kids are exposed to dieting messages um, and Molly has some really horrific stats on young people, body image and their mental health and how it's really negatively impacting their mental health. And this is a long one today um, just because we ran over the, our time by like 20 minutes because we're both so passionate and we couldn't stop chatting. I felt like I could have spoke to Molly all day about this. So grab yourself a drink, maybe a little snack if you can and sit down and enjoy this chat. We hope it gives you a boost and a positive reminder to love your body girl because you only get one. Welcome to the Put Yourself First podcast. Inspiring conversations with badass women, empowering you to make time for your personal goals and put yourself first. Welcome back to Put Yourself First, everyone, and welcome today to my guest, Molly. Hello. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on. Before we get into the nitty gritty of, you know, the campaign and what you're up to at the moment, um, I'd love to hear more about your personal journey with um, body image because you've done loads of amazing work, um, which I'd love you to share with everyone. Okay. <laughs> I feel like I feel like it all starts at the beginning, particularly yeah. for, for, I mean, body image is something that affects anyone, you know, any human being. If you have a body, you have a way you feel about your body. So I think like, first of all, there's this misconception that it's only something that affects women and it isn't. It affects you regardless of how you, what your gender is or how you identify, what your sexuality is, um, what your um, ethnicity is. It's It's something that affects everyone. But I think that we live in a culture where, particularly women um, and also men are also being aggressively marketed at as well but traditionally it has always been women who are aggressively marketed at when it comes to body image so we are basically constantly made to feel like we're not quite good enough as we are so that we buy the products that will supposedly fix in inverted commas our flaws so like many other women I'm 35 um, I'll be 36 next month um, I grew up 
in the 80s and 90s in a culture where like the the it was diet culture is just ingrained i mean the, the whole idea of diet culture wasn't even a thing it's just how it's just life it's just yeah. a society that we live in um my mum was never like really heavily into diets or anything she was always you know really kind of body neutral I guess it was never really a thing but even growing up in like a positive environment at home I think I was always aware of like these ideas of like having that healthy only looked one way um and that you know you know Barbie dolls looked a certain way even though I was I wasn't really allowed Barbies when I was little my mum was like a you know feminist didn't agree but with Barbie dolls I wasn't really allowed to watch like ITV because she didn't want me being exposed to the adverts but even in that environment I still was aware of these messages um so like all my friends and every pretty much every other woman I know I grew up um often feeling like my body wasn't quite right so whether that was as a teenager having smaller boobs than my friends um I remember like a swimming teacher saying me telling me I had big shoulders and boys at school uh, my my nickname when I was in secondary school for like the first three years of secondary school was little man because I had no boobs I had really wide shoulders I had a short haircut um and I didn't fit that kind of like curvy girl look but neither was I fitting the 90s body image ideal that aesthetic that Kate Moss aesthetic that that heroin chic look which was Mm. what was I was surrounded by in all the magazines I didn't fit that look either so I just kind of always felt I often felt like I wasn't quite good enough and I look back on those years when I was like a teenager and I don't really remember those feelings holding me back but I remember I remember often if something had gone wrong and, you know, if a boy didn't like me at school or if a friend had fallen out with me or if I hadn't quite got the grade that I wanted in in a maths test, it would often come back to my body. And I found an old diary the other week from that period of my life. And I it was eye opening reading it after all these years, because that is it's kind of like all these years later, how I remember it. I was reading this diary and I was like, that is exactly what it was. I remember writing in this diary saying I need to go on a diet and I didn't need to go on a diet. No one needs to go on a diet. But, you know, I wasn't even in a bigger body. Like it just was, I just always kind of, it always came back to the way I felt about my body. But because, you know, this was the 90s then, I was growing up in the 90s and early 2000s noughties do you call it noughties um (laughs) yeah (laughs) and uh you know the the whole idea body image wasn't really conversation it was just accepted that that was how we all felt and it wasn't until I became a mum um nine years ago that I really started to unpick these ideas and this constant feeling like I often wasn't quite good enough or I needed to change my body or I needed to bounce back in adverted commas after having a baby and lose the baby weight and get fitter and bookmark every major life event with a diet even though interestingly I never called it a diet because I think that even in deep down I knew that diets weren't healthy they weren't the one they weren't what I needed to like be doing but it was still a diet so whether I called it healthy eating um or whether I was you know doing intermittent fasting like I, I still felt like I wasn't following you know a diet I wasn't going to a diet club and being weighed every week but I was still putting myself on a diet and when I became a mum of a girl of a daughter I just really started to unpick these ideas but it took me 
it took me a while. It took um, having my second baby and my light bulb moment really came when um, I had suffered quite a dip in confidence. We'd moved to a new area. I'd left my job. I'd been working as a radio presenter um, and I'd been working this real like buzzy industry, buzzy job. And then we'd moved to Devon to the countryside, which is beautiful, but very different. And I had another baby and that created a whole new shift in identity, becoming a mum of two, another little girl. Um, and I think I just suffered like a real dip in my general confidence. And also I was surviving on no sleep and, you know, all your hormones are all over the place when you're a new mum, you've just had a baby. And so I did my go-to thing that I had always done and thought, right, I'm going to get fit. I'm going to get healthy. That will get my, if I change my body, that will bring all my confidence back and that will solve all my problems. <laughs> so with a, a baby that wasn't sleeping very much and a little girl who was uh, four who just started school, I just embarked on this mission to do like HIIT training every day and, you know, like counting macros or, you know, whatever, um, because I thought, oh, that's a healthy way to do it. You know, even even then I was like, well, I'm not going to go to Slimming World. I'm not going to do Weight Watchers. Um, I just need to tone up and, and lose a bit of weight and get fit. So I did it like the fitspiration way, um, you know, and I copied, you know, I looked up people on Instagram and watched YouTube videos from other influencers that I followed and thought, well, this is what everyone's doing. This is what you need to do. This is just unquestioned. And then there was a moment, this light bulb moment when my daughter, my eldest daughter, who was then five at the time, asked me why I was weighing spinach and I was weighing spinach because of some crazy like you know you need to know how many macros or nutrients or whatever so you've got to know how, how much it weighs it was some crazy diet basically and I just thought I have no rational answer for you I don't I don't know what why am I why am I doing how have I got to this place where I am weighing spinach and I have no um reasonable answer to give my daughter and I actually feel a bit ashamed about what I'm doing so I almost feel like I need to lie to her um and that was like no more I can't do this anymore I'm not this is you know this is just ridiculous and so as I started to feel better about my body and just I became came to a place of sort of self-acceptance and sort of irreverence really like body neutrality is a word that we use where you just sort of think your body is not the most important thing it's the least important thing about you um and I sort of got to that place and then I started feeling really good about my body the more I started appreciating it and feeling grateful for it for what he'd given me for what it did for me every day and I started actually ironically doing doing like moving my body and doing exercise in a way that felt good for my body rather than wanting to change it I actually started enjoying going running and really enjoying doing yoga and so I would do it more and it wasn't like a punishment it was like a little bit of self-care and a little bit of joy for myself um and but the more I started to sort of accept my body and feel good in it the more I noticed all the messages around me trying to tell me that it wasn't good enough and trying to suck me back into that hole and I guess that was when I realized oh diet culture is a thing you know I sort of was on the outside of this goldfish bowl that I had been living inside for all my life right up until my early 30s and I just got angry <laughs> and I started making content around I was already 
um, making content online. I was really, I'd already been blogging for a number of years, mainly about parenting and being a mum. And I was making YouTube videos, just like a typical parent YouTuber, you know, sharing like day in the life videos and holidays and travel and like, you know, that kind of lifestyle thing, writing about interiors. And I just sort of switched up my content and I started making videos about how like it didn't matter that I didn't have a really toned tummy but I was still going to wear a bikini on holiday and I started writing Instagram posts about it and I started writing blog posts and I started informing myself and educating myself reading books about this stuff um following really making an effort to diversify my feeds and follow look at who I was following online and that was when I got picked up as one of the hosts for the channel four show naked beach they saw something that I'd, I think they saw a YouTube video. I made this like funny YouTube video about how to get bikini ready. And it was basically me like prancing around my garden in a bikini, you know, lying on my kid's slide, putting the washing out <laughs> with like some kind of like rap music <laughs> in the background. Um, and, and that's the thing I, I am quite, although I was angry, I, I, and, and I didn't want to be sucked back into diet culture. And a lot of the like stats do often make me feel really frustrated. Uh, I don't like, take things too seriously. And I like to have a laugh with stuff. And I think the best way that you can get your message across for me um, is to just be true to myself and try and like look at things in a lighthearted way. So I made this video and it got picked up by the producers of Naked Beach. And then a couple of weeks later, I was in in Greece in body paint <laughs> as one of the eight hosts on Naked Beach which was a show um, that has really kind of been quite huge this year in changing the conversation and bringing this idea of diet culture and body image mainstream so it isn't just hidden on a corner of the internet. I love that you so you've worked in media for like all of your career would you say? Have you yeah. Always, so you did radio professionally You've yeah. obviously bl been blogging. Was that like a personal hobby, and then it became yeah your full time? Um, so I started off. Um, when did I graduate? I I basically when I was at uni, I graduated from uni in two thousand and uh, four or five. I went to Cardiff Uni and I did English Lit, but all the way through uni, I knew I wanted to be a journalist. And I was kind of all the way through uni, I was working, uh, doing work experience or like little paid jobs for newspapers. And then I took a year out and I went to India and I worked for a magazine over in India. And then from doing lots of work experience, I just kind of decided that radio was the way I wanted to go. I always loved performing. I always loved um, being, I'm very, as you know, as you can see now, I'm very chatty. Uh, and I love telling stories. I love writing, but I just love the immediate connection you get with having a conversation and broadcasting. So I knew that I wanted to go into broadcasting. So, yeah, I did like a broadcasting postgraduate diploma. And then I just worked in radio from when I was like 22 um, all the way up to my early 30s. And I started off as a reporter. Then I became like a newsreader. And then I was like the girl on the breakfast show. Um, and then when I had my first daughter in 2010, I left my full time job and just went freelance. And then I started doing like just anything, any journalistic work I could get paid for. So I started a blog. Um, mainly that was like a personal thing to share my thoughts about motherhood and sort of find out if I could if my brain still worked after having a baby. Really, I just kind of wanted to start like flexing my creative muscles again 
um, and find out if there was anything else out there for me rather than just kind of working in news. And I think also when I became a mum, I became a bit of a softie and I found it really difficult to, to work in news in the way that I had before. Um, a lot of, you know, I'd get like too emotionally involved or affected by some of the stories that I was reporting on. Uh, so, yeah, I did production. I worked for like various different like local BBC radio stations and heart radio. And then I got picked up as a presenter and I did that for a couple of years, presented a breakfast show. And then we moved to Devon and that was really, although I'd been all the way through when I was a radio presenter um, and I was freelancing, I was still continuing to blog. And this is like 2010. So Twitter was only just becoming a thing. Instagram wasn't a thing. I didn't have, this makes me sound really old, but I didn't have like a camera phone, you know, like I didn't have an iPhone. Um, and it wasn't until we moved to Devon really that I really got into using Instagram even just as a consumer not even really using it as a platform I didn't it, it took me a couple of years to start really sort of using it as a as a place to create content and seeing it as a place to create content and now now like the online because media changes so quickly I mean when I was training Twitter wasn't even a thing and some of the people that I trained with it's their job to like run the BBC Sport Twitter account <laughs> and that wasn't a job when I was training um so, yeah, I have always worked in media. I've always worked in, I guess, like telling stories and hearing other people's stories. And so now most of my work is either like telly. I do a lot of sort of media commentating stuff. Since Naked Beach, I've been um, invited on like BBC Breakfast a, a couple of times, Sky News and This Morning and stuff like that. And not just talking about Naked Beach, but talking about body image, which is great. Um, I would love to do more radio. Um and I love TV, but I think there's something really special about creating online content because you have that immediate connection with the people who are who are viewing your work. And you can create a movement and a community of people, which is really exciting. That's why I love podcasting, because it just feels more intimate. Totally. And yeah. yeah, and it's why I love Instagram as well, because Although I still love blogging, I love long form writing. I love like if I've got something to say, I love like really getting into it on my blog. But there's an instant connection you get with like Twitter or Instagram that you don't get in anything else. I love that. I just think it's so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, <laughs> I love that you used, I wanted to hear your story of your career because I love that you've used, you know, your passion and your natural talent to get these important messages out there because I think mm. sometimes it takes someone who is like a natural communicator to get the message across because like you say you know that that silly video that you made that you, you've been a journalist all your life so you know like you, you're just a natural born like communicator and presenter that silly video in your garden with your kids slide like that could that could have been the video that someone watched and it just clicked to them and they were like, actually, this is total bullshit. Why am I worrying about this? So yeah, yeah, I love that you've Thank used you. your talent to make such a positive difference. Thank you. I think it got uh, there was a phase that a few years ago, maybe sort of six years ago, when we first moved to Devon, and I felt like sort of career wise, I kind of lost my way a bit because. 
although I still loved communicating and writing I wasn't really sure what my passion was with what I was writing about so I was writing you know sort of your typical like lifestyle blogs writing about interiors and about a house and about parenting and mum life and that was always really great and I loved um sort of sharing an honest insight into motherhood so you know if my kids were having tantrums or having a tough day I would show that and I would share that on on a video but as my kids got older less and less comfortable with sharing that much of my personal life my family life online because actually uh my life isn't a soap opera it's not there for someone else and else's entertainment and I just started thinking I've got all these things to say (laughs) and I want to use my platform in a really positive way um and it is about entertaining people and it is about um kind of giving people something to think about it isn't for me, like I don't set out to like educate people. I set out to open a conversation. So with our podcast, although it's it's quite a body cons is, is my podcast and it's quite a potentially heavy subject. You know, we're talking about body image and we talk with all sorts of different people like activists and artists and academics. And it could be quite a heavy, serious subject. But I'm quite a jokey, lighthearted person and I want to make it entertaining like ultimately for me I'm I'm the co-host I co-host it with a journalist Lottie Story who's like a writer and she's her background's in psychology so she's very you know she's she kind of brings the gravitas to it <laughs> whereas I I'm like less serious but I always think that if you really want to open in a conversation with people and engage people and make people interested in what you're saying you also kind of need to entertain them a bit um so that's what I try to do with my Instagram posts or anything that I'm making. That doesn't mean to say that you can't get serious and, you know, have like these emotional connections. But I think that uh, if you start preaching at people, I don't know about you, but if people start preaching at me and talking at me and telling me off, or I almost feel like I'm being told off, I just switch off and I'm just... You know, I even if I know it's a really important subject, I just find it difficult to be engaged with what they're saying. So I think that if you can get a message across in an entertaining and engaging way, you're going to you're going to make more of of an impact. That's what I think anyway. I completely agree. And (laughs) with that being said, um, let's chat about the Weight Watchers app. (laughs) So... (laughs) If I feel like m- many people listening will already know about this, but for anyone who might not have seen the news around it and the controversy around it, um, would you like to just give a quick rundown of what Weight Watchers have like introduced recently? Yeah. Um, so Weight Watchers have got form for introducing kids to diet culture and dieting. They already offer a free membership for... I think uh, Weight Watchers, I think you have to be 13. There was a big thing last summer uh, where they were offering free uh, membership to their clubs for like 13 to 15 year olds, I believe. Um, and you had to have like an adult with you. But that that created like a huge buzz online. Lots of people got really angry about it. So it's not like it's the first time. And um, I believe like a spokesperson for Weight Watchers, I was reading an interview when they brought out this app, which was in August. 2019 this year um, and they were saying that the backlash they had last time they did something slightly controversial just kind of spurred them on and made them even more determined um, I 
I'm a really hopeful person and I would love to believe that the Weight Watchers app that they have created, which is essentially a weight loss app for kids and parents, and it gives them access to like um, uh, a fitness coach who can, who they will have to be, um, who they will like, you know, sign in with and who will monitor their progress. It gives them recipes. It doesn't talk about calorie counting, I don't believe. I Obviously, I don't have the app, but I've looked into it. But I think they, they look at, like, it introduces them to, like, traffic a traffic light system. So good food and bad food, you know, green, red traffic light system, which I think is, I mean, we'll that's a whole that. other issue. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and there was a huge backlash again to it because of all the reasons that I'll go on to explain <laughs> Um, but I, I, a lot of obviously a lot of people who are using it, I guess, think that, well, it's been verified by, you know, certain pr- professional bodies. It's They've done work with like Stanford University, I think, had helped them develop this app. Um, parents are constantly being told that obesity is an issue and there's a rising epidemic of, you know, obesity and all the health related problems with that. And I guess Weight Watchers are hoping to feed into that. Ultimately, Weight Watchers are a business. We need to remember that all diet companies are a business and they want us to spend our dollar with them. You know, they want us to to sign up and spend our money and buy their product. And if their products were really uh, effective and if diets, any kind of diet, I'm not just talking about Weight Watchers here, Um, or Slimming World or any of the big ones, if any diet actually worked long term, their business model would be completely screwed because you wouldn't have to keep going back. And they're not silly. They know this. The diet industry in the UK is worth uh, two billion pounds. So, you know, that's a huge amount of money. There's a huge, huge industry with a huge amount of money and a huge amount of power. And it's in their best interest to keep us going back and spending our money with them. Um, So obviously they will say, well, our answer to the obesity epidemic in inverted commas is to put your kid on a diet and introduce. Essentially, you're introducing your kid to a lifetime of calorie counting or restricting overthinking about food. You're not introducing your kid to a positive, healthy, joyful relationship with food and movement. I don't believe Um, so, yeah, I, I was not impressed with the app when it came out, but it's just one of a whole huge culture. It, it's not the first time a weight loss company has targeted children. It's happening every single day around us. And this is what I'm campaigning for, for tighter restrictions around the way these companies do aggressively market towards children. I'm not stupid. I know that this I'm not I'm one person. I can't bring down a two billion pound industry. And I'm not trying to. I I'm never going to advocate for diets, but at the same time, I'm not stupid. I know that they're going to exist. There is yeah. still like a lot of argument for and against, you know, like weight loss or intentional weight loss. But I think whether you whether you believe that weight loss is a mark like can make someone healthier we're not going to get into that today I think we can all agree whatever you know side of the argument we're on I think everyone can agree that marketing diets to kids particularly Weight Watchers you know 
it is a diet that doesn't work because it's there's no education there's no true empowerment there you never quite understand why you have to have these points like what this point is what this point is it's the exact same with slimming world what is a sin like why is this thing a sin and not a sin Mm. they never actually Um, educate you i am completely not against teaching kids about nutrition and introducing them to you know uh what what a a balanced diet looks like and and getting them involved in the kitchen and cooking I love I grow like my own vegetables at home partly because I've got like my youngest is a bit of a picky eater and I'm trying to like introduce her to like cooking and eating more fruit and veg like I am not against that at all but there's a very big difference between introducing kids to uh eating in a in a positive like healthy having a positive healthy joyful relationship with food and being aware about nutrition to a certain extent I mean they don't need to be worrying about good food and bad food and labeling food and giving food a moral quality I mean that's dangerous there's a there's a very big difference between teaching kids about nutrition and introducing them to a lifetime of calorie counting and it's not just I think with 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 all of that kind of way of eating and I and I want to say I'm not a nutritionist I'm not a body image expert I'm not an academic but I have I'm a I'm have interviewed many many people over this over the last 18 months who are nutritionists and are experts and are academics and I've had my own lived experience of you know on and off the diet bandwagon and I think like for me the biggest thing about it is the amount of brain space it takes up just thinking about can I eat this can I not eat this if I eat this should I go for a run can I like thinking and almost telling ourselves that we have this level of control over our bodies that is kind of a myth that we we don't really have because there are so many factors that can affect a person's weight and it's not all just about what you eat and how much you move your body there are lots of other external factors and I think my my issue with diet companies and, and that weight loss app that they don't tell you that (laughs) they don't give you that information they don't tell you that your weight can also be determined by your genetics or by um your uh your family income where where you live you know all of these other new it's such a nuanced subject there are loads of different things that feed into it they make you think that it is as simple as what you eat and how much you move your body and then that creates a huge amount of personal responsibility that creates a culture of fat phobia and fat shaming it creates a culture where kids are going to school and they're being weighed and they're being told that they're too heavy and then they are feeling not good enough and then all these other scary stats um which I can share with you if you're interested but basically just this this negative body image culture and actually this culture doesn't just affect people and children in bigger bodies it affects everyone it's not just a negative culture for people who believe that they need to lose weight or who whose doctors are telling them you need to be you need to lose weight it's not just bad for them although they are actively discriminated against every day on a daily basis it's bad for everyone regardless of what your gender is um and for me like as a mum I try so hard to create a real positive environment at home. I never speak badly about my body. I don't feel badly about my body. I feel good about my body. But even when I wasn't feeling good about my body, I wouldn't speak badly about it. Because, you know, I'm not stupid. I know that kids learn through role modelling. 
when my daughter asked me why I was weighing spinach, I knew deep down my gut instinct was not to say to her, oh, actually, it's because in three months time, we're going on holiday and mummy wants to wear a bikini and you can only wear a bikini if you've got a really flat tummy and a thigh gap and a toned bum. And actually, because mummy doesn't have a body like that, mummy can't wear a bikini. I knew I didn't want to tell that to my daughter. What kind of message is that giving her? Um, but we can we can be really positive at home. And if our kids are then going out into a world with all these messages around them, it, it undermines that work that we're doing at home. Um, and schools are doing some really brilliant work. They're bringing outside speakers in. You know, they're bringing people in to talk to kids about body image or they're doing lessons around body image in PSHE. But then if these kids are walking out and there's a big banner for Slimming World on their school railings, what message is that giving them? And if the mums in the playground are seeing that banner and they're talking to, even if that banner is not actively directed at the children, they are still seeing it. My nine-year-old can read. She can read a poster that says, be inspired. And the undertone is lose weight. You know, she's not, children are not immune to these messages and I think we're really naive if we think that they are um and also you know it creates a conversation in the playground where the mums are saying oh did you do something well last night how much have you lost and I'm not taking that away from someone if they feel like that's a really big achievement but I'm just wanting to open a conversation that might question whether those are positive conversations we want to have around our kids because all of the research from academics um, and all the research coming out shows actually we're in a body image crisis and it's of having a huge impact on our mental health and not just the mental health of adults, but the mental health of kids. And it's affecting how they're performing at school and how they're engaging in class and whether they're putting their hand up in class. And um, I mean, there was a study out a few years ago that showed one in five young girls are not raising their hand in class for fear of being judged over the way they look. And I think we're hugely naive if we think that this overall culture that they're growing up in is not having an impact on that. So it is directly affecting the way they're performing in school and adults as well. You know, the way you perform at work, the way you feel about your body informs how you present yourself to the world. And I believe that you shouldn't just be able to present yourself to the world in a confident way if you fit that narrow beauty ideal, whatever the latest body trend is. I believe that we should all be allowed to feel good in ourselves regardless of how we look. And that's how I want to raise my daughters. I don't think I'd ever put two and two together that a lot of these diet um, like cultures and communities are in you know community centers schools like local things and kids are seeing them every day so yeah tell yeah. us more about the campaign and the okay. stats that you found <laughs> around it as well so so I'm campaigning it's uh free from diets campaign hashtag free from diets and I'm campaigning for tighter regulations around the way that weight loss companies and slimming services advertise around children Currently, the ASA rules that you are not allowed to direct, um, actively target your advertising towards under 18 year olds. So if there's a TV ad about a diet, it's not allowed to directly be addressing children. Um, and the same with radio. There are also rules currently, the ASA has ruled that junk food or foods high high in uh, salt and saturated fat and sugars are not allowed to be 
promoted within 100 metres of a school. So you can't have a big billboard up within 100 metres of a school. But there are no rules stopping, although the ASA is ruling that these companies can't directly target children in their TV and radio advertisements, and they're ruling that, you know, junk food companies can't be within near a school. There are no rules stopping these diet companies who are already told that they're not allowed to target children in their radio and TV marketing. There's nothing stopping them from advertising at a school. And I'm not even just talking near a school. I'm talking in some cases on or in a school, having a post up in the school foyer, having a banner on the school railings. And it's not just schools, it's clubs where children go it's I've had mums be in touch with me where their kid has gone to dance club and it's a club for under 16 year olds. And in their changing room, they've got a big poster telling them where their nearest Weight, Watch, Weight Watchers uh, studio is or where their nearest swimming club is. Um, you know, it's brownies, girl guides, swimming clubs, leisure centres. I've had mums come to me saying that they've been targeted. Someone's come and been handing out leaflets outside of school for their local swimming club. Uh, someone's come into a park handing out leaflets for their local slimming club. Someone has um, someone has uh, been at their school fair with a stall for their local slimming club. Now, I'm not suggesting that in all of these cases, these methods of advert- advertisement are sanctioned or condoned by the people in head office at, for example, Slimming World. I think that it's almost like a pyramid scheme from what I understand and that you have reps and they have to recruit new members and they have targets that they need to meet. So they will go out flyering and they'll put leaflets through people's doors and they'll put a banner at a school or a banner at a village hall to say, we have a meeting here, come along on a Tuesday night. Um, And sometimes they'll get creative and they might take it a step further and decide to hand out flies outside of school because they because the mum market is a massive market they want to recruit new members they want to bring the mums in and then you know they'll say well you can join Slimming World for free if you're 11 or 13 or whatever I can't remember which is which but Weight Watchers and Slimming World both accept children to go to their classes with an adult um so, you know, and it's very, it's a very welcoming environment. I've heard from people who've gone to these clubs and loved it. And it's felt like it's a real sense of community. And I'm not arguing for them not to exist. But I do think that we need to have tighter restrictions around the way that they market around children. I don't think it's okay that they are going on school railings, um, that children are walking past adverts every day saying, be inspired, lose weight, be happy, lose weight, essentially change yourself. You're not OK as you are. And even if these companies are going to continue to exist, which they are because they're not going anywhere. Um, and even if they want to hire out the school hall or the local community centre, I think that we need clear rules around the way that they can advertise their groups. Um I mean, in an age where Google exists, do we really need to have a banner on a school gate saying, be inspired, lose weight, come to your local swimming club here tonight at seven o'clock? Do we really need that? I don't think that we do. Uh, And even if we did need it, schools are not the place where we advertise businesses. We don't advertise cigarettes and alcohol and even junk food around schools. So why are we advertising diets when we know 
the potential harm that diets can do. Um, we know the stats around diets and body image. Why, why is this happening? And do the diet companies in every case know it's happening? So I'm trying to open a conversation where I actually get the diet companies on board and they say, okay, actually, no, it's not okay that our reps are going into parks handing out flyers. So we're going to crack down on that and we're going to really make it clear about what isn't okay for our, what is okay and what isn't okay for our reps to do. And I would like the ASA to come on board and say, actually, you're right. It, it, yeah, we need to clear up. We need to clear up this, this situation and actually say, no, it's not OK for you to put a banner on a school railing. And I would like the schools to get on board and have a conversation and be like, oh, well, we know that this is a real issue and we're aware of the emerging research around body image and how to promote healthful health promoting behaviors so we you know we're getting outside speakers in to talk to our kids about how to have a happy relationship with their body and we're doing pshe lessons on this and we're doing all this really cool work so yeah actually there is a link why are we allowing this diet company to put a banner on our railings why are we allowing this diet company to ask to send leaflets home in our kids book bags I just want to kind of, yes, I want them to connect the dots. And so th with this campaign, this is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to ra raise awareness around the issue, but ultimately create a real change where we have clear guidelines and clear rules around the way these companies operate, particularly around children and young people. And I know that they will say, I'm not targeting children and young people. I'm targeting their parents. But children can read my kids my kids can read they can read these messages so I don't believe that these messages messages should be around you know schools and especially when we're told it's really hard when you're a parent because you don't know how to do things in the right you want to promote like healthy behaviors at home you want your kids to feel good you want your fit kids to feel confident so you know you do things at home that create a positive body image you don't talk about dieting in front of them you don't talk about your body in a negative way in front of them you eat all together as a family you do all the things that you're told to do and then you're sending your kids out the front door every day and that work is being undermined essentially by a two billion pound industry that is looking to recruit new members to spend money yeah I think it's so true if it was any other um, industry that was affect well if it was any industry affecting our physical health I think ever it would be like an outrage like if um Cadbury's were stood outside bloody love Cadbury's but if they were stood outside <laughs> of the gate every single day just like free chocolate free chocolate here's chocolate everyone would be like yeah. what are they doing don't they know that childhood obesity blah 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 but when it comes to something that is drastically affecting our kids mental health it's like mm. it's almost like it it's a really insidious like inside job and it's yeah it's horrible it is insidious and it's difficult to unpick and I get anyone who's listening to this right now might be like whoa my brain is going to explode I can't get my head around this but the difficulty is is that diet companies like Slimming World and Weight Watchers and whatever I keep coming back to them but there are many others out there they are selling a um, an idea that health only looks one way and that uh, to be healthy, you need to do these things. OK, so they their argument could potentially be, well, 
this is healthy. What's wrong with teaching kids about eating healthily? But actually, if you get a nutritionist in to look at the way that some of these diets are operating, number one, it isn't, some of them are actually not that physically healthy. They might make you lose weight, but they might make your blood sugars go high. So, you know, if you're a diabetic, it might be dangerous to do these diets. It might not, that there's, it, I mean, I'm not a nutritionist, but there is, there are many nutritionists that would look at these diets and say, actually, that's not necessarily a, a physically healthy way of eating. But I think the other thing to know about diets is that, like I said before, we know that 95% of people, and there's a huge body of evidence say 95% of people who do these diets in the long term go on to gain the weight. So if you are presenting these diets as the answer to solving the obesity epidemic, this is not the answer because these diets have been around for, for many years and the population is still getting bigger. So we know that diets can be harmful to people's mental health because we know that um, there's a link with it's a huge body of evidence again to show that if you start a diet you are more likely to go on to eat in a disordered way and in some cases even develop a full-blown eating disorder so it's really serious we also know that the culture around diet culture is creating a real negative um, culture of body image so we know I just gave you the stat before about one in five young girls not raising their hand in class for fear of being judged over the way they look um, the most recent survey was from Young Minds in September this year, and they did a survey of 7,000 young people under the age of 25, and they found that 69% of them um, worry about the way they look to such an, an extent that it's seriously impacting their mental health. We know uh, Mind Charity back in May this year for Mental Health Awareness Week did a huge study and they released some really scary stats around body image. One of their like headline stats, which was one that really kind of, I think, made a lot of people think about this stuff, is that one in eight adults in the UK feel so bad about their body that they're having suicidal thoughts. I mean, these are really scary statistics and we can't separate mental health and physical health. We need to look at it as an overall health. On a positive note, I know those are really scary stats, but on a positive note, there's a huge body of evidence and research that shows, and this is what Naked Beach showed at the show that I was in. If you feel good about your body, uh, regardless of what it looks like, you are much more likely to engage in health-promoting behaviours. So you're much more likely to move your body in a way that feels good you're much more likely to eat in a way that feels good. So not to overeat, not to undereat, to eat a range of different foods, to eat in a mindful, intuitive way. And this culture where we're shaming people and putting people on diets and telling people that they need to look a certain way to be healthy, that, that isn't making people feel good about their body. We need to be building people up and building kids up and changing this whole culture so that our kids are actually getting away from what their body looks like and getting away from what healthy looks like and actually starting to do things for the way that they feel rather than the way they look. And then maybe we might see and uh, you know, I don't know I'm not an academic but maybe I mean we've tried everything else and like I said the population is getting bigger and if people are really invested if they're coming at it from this obesity argument and they're invested in in tackling the obesity epidemic I keep using 
<laughs> I keep using uh, uh, quotation marks, but if they're really invested in tackling that, then maybe we need to look at another way of doing it because the way that we've been doing it all this time isn't working and actually it's having hugely negative, hugely negative effects, not just for us, but for our children. We need change. Something needs to change. And that's why I think I said earlier like whether you believe that weight weight loss is gonna positively impact some people or not I think we can all agree that it is our responsibility to uplift other people like that that's why I just think fat shaming is the most horrendous thing because like you say you know we've we've tried as a society making people feel like shit about themselves and telling them like you're you're wrong like your body is wrong why don't we make people feel good about themselves and then as the research suggests then people want to be healthy and they want to eat you know a a balanced diet and they want to do all these things that ironically you were you know shouting at them to do and just making them feel horrible about themselves and having a negative impact on their mental health if someone feels so bad about their body that they're having suicidal thoughts do you think that they are going to care that they're at that point where they are they are depressed they're suffering intense anxiety they're locking themselves away in their bedroom they're not going to football with their mates. They're not going to dance club with their friends. They're not going to like Brownies PGL activity week. They don't want to do that stuff. They just don't want to be looked at. They want to sit in the corner of the classroom and not raise their hand because they feel ashamed and embarrassed over the way they look. They don't want to socialize with their friends. They don't want to go for that job interview, that job promotion. They don't want to contribute and be you know, and live their life and have a good quality of life and be an active participant in their community or society. If we are shaming people, we are, as a whole society, doing ourselves a disservice because we are just, we're telling people essentially that they're not good enough, that they don't, that they're not worthwhile members of society, that they shouldn't be, you know, seen or exist. And actually, there's a whole proportion of people there who, who are, could have the potential to do amazing things and we're just writing them off and the whole fat shaming argument it doesn't just affect people who identify as fat it affects people in all different shapes of bodies because if you if you identify as fat and you're being discriminated against I mean that is you know there's a whole there's whole political movements around this which is just awful we should not discriminate against anyone regardless of you know their gender their ethnicity their body shape but also you have a whole, everyone else is worried that they're going to get fat. So they are then, you know, have internal fat phobia where they are constantly monitoring what they're eating. They're spending a huge amount of their time thinking about all these things that they're eating and how they're moving. And, you know, I can't wear that today because I'm too fat for it. Or, you know, I've just had a baby and I've just been in labor for like three days. Oh, quick, I need to lose the baby weight. You know, it's, it's just this whole pervading culture where we all of us feel not good enough and we're all shaming ourselves internally every day and we are ruining our potential to be amazing people, to be living incredible lives and be doing joyful things with our friends and our family 
and to be going out changing the world, making a change, tackling climate change, you know, all these huge problems that we've got. And we're wasting so much time thinking about what... How many calories are in an apple? Yeah, yeah, we're like basically measuring our worth by the number on the scales or the number, you know, in our waistband rather than what, what we're actually doing with our lives. And it's just such a wasted energy. And I just, I'm just, I really want change for my daughters because I don't want my nine-year-old in 10 years time to ever feel like she's not good enough, whatever she looks like. Because I've never lit, I've never been in a bigger body. I've never been, I think, I, I've never been bigger than like a size 14. But I have spent a huge amount of my life feeling not good enough. Um, and the irony is that even when I was probably at my most physically healthy, i.e. doing hit classes every day and, um, you know, I was able to like hold a plank for however many minutes and I was, you know, eating huge amount of spinach. Actually, I was probably at my least mentally healthy um, and I was not happy. And I never want that for my daughters. But not just that. I don't want that for any. I don't want that for anyone. I don't want that. We need change. We need change um, for physical health and mental health and just our overall sense of well-being. Because we can't carry on like this. 100%. No. How? uh, So you've already touched on some things throughout the chat, but for anyone listening who has this like light bulb moment of oh shit like I need to lead by example and this you know this could be for parents but even for someone like me like I don't have kids but I have a baby niece and I just think she's not even six months old she's like fucking perfect and I love her and I want only like amazing things for her life and the thought of her ever like wasting time worrying about how she looks it just makes me angry so how can we lead by example and empower generations to come so I know that a lot of this interview might be like making people feel really desperate um and like oh my god all this stuff's happening I've got no power let's just all give up actually we do have a huge amount of power within us uh, to create positive change um, and that is you know at home and outside so like a few things that you can do at home um, and and again like y- your kids or your you, you your friends your niece your little brothers and sisters might be going out and seeing these messages but actually if they're having those messages counteracted at home then you know that's a positive thing so even if you don't feel good about your body um and you you want to change your body avoid having those conversations around little people don't talk about dieting don't talk about you know wanting to lose the love handles don't talk about you know not being able to wear those pair of jeans I'm not saying that you have to strut around your house like Beyonce if you don't feel good but just take away the negative chat just kind of just just don't talk about it I think a lot of people who follow me online think that because I'm um, like dancing around in a bikini or I've been naked on the telly and nothing but body paint that actually like I have this, you know, thing at home where I'm walking around shouting out my Instagram captions <laughs> and I'm not like actually I rarely talk about my body, my kid's body 
if I do, I talk about it in a positive way over about what it can do rather than what it can look, what it looks like. So I don't know, an example, like the other week we went for like a family hike. We live in Devon. We live near Dartmoor. So I like dragged my kids out. It was a sunny day. I was like, not going to be on screens anymore. going to get outside. We went outside for a lovely walk and we like climbed up this hill. And I was like, aren't our bodies amazing? We've just climbed up this hill. You're, you've just done that. Aren't we lucky that we can do that? Because not everyone lives in a body that allows them to do that just kind of introducing this idea of gratitude you know so that we are starting to appreciate what our bodies can do for us rather than what they look like and even if you are not at the place yet where where you are accepting what your body looks like not speaking in a negative way about what your body looks like in front of your children there's research that shows that that can have a, a huge impact. And if you can get to the point where you do feel that you can be positive about your body, then that's brilliant. If you can talk about your body in a positive way, you know, I mean, my my kids, I've got, you know, a wobbly tummy and a wobbly bum. And, um, you know, my kids might be like, oh, mummy, your tummy's wobbly. And I'll be like, yeah, it's great, isn't it? It can do this. And I'll like jiggle around. And I just want them to know that all different types of body are, are worthy, you know, um, and I say, yeah, OK, it, it, it might jiggle, but I, I, I can still run really far. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I've got friends who, who are, you know, much bigger than me and they've run marathons. You know, it doesn't necessarily it, the way your body looks doesn't necessarily negate what it can do and, and how worthy it is. I also um, and this is something that I see a lot of my friends sort of say, oh, we don't say the F word at home. We don't say fat. Fat is a is a is a naughty word, and that comes from a place of good intention. I totally get that. Um, people sort of uh, wanting to, to because we've always been told that fat is a bad word, and that um, you know fat it carries such a moral. It's loaded. It's a loaded word, you know, because we equate often being fat with being lazy, um, or all these other negative connotations you know the fat people in films are the funny one or they're you know the lazy one or they're you know the best friend that never finds love you know and actually from speaking and interviewing fat activists for my podcast and speaking to people who are in higher weight bodies um actually that's quite damaging so I try to teach my kids actually you can be fat and you can be thin and neither is better than the other and that um, fat, if you're using fat as a description, it's just a description. It doesn't it, it carries no morally loaded meaning. But what I won't accept is them saying to someone, you're a big fat idiot, because that then carries loaded meaning. And I say, well, you wouldn't say you're a big thin idiot, would you? So why are you using that word in that context? And I bring them up on it, especially my nine year old. She's old enough now to understand some of these concepts. And I think just kind of making her aware of this so that, you know, I guess I'm kind of like raising a mini activist so that when she goes out into the world, she can, you know, bring up some of her friends and her peers if they use that kind of language yeah. um, or just be mindful of it. It's a really great example. And I remember growing up um, when kids around me, sometimes my friends used to use the word gay as an insult. And yeah. I, I remember um, growing up in a household where obviously my mum and dad were, you know, very, like, they're very liberal, very accepting. 
And if I would have ever said that word in that context, well, A, I don't think I ever did because um, I have two gay uncles. So gay to me is always, has always meant homosexual. But when friends used to say it, and it was almost like totally acceptable to use that as an insult. And I think I remember challenging my friends and saying like, why are you using gay as an insult? Like, why is it? Why is it a bad thing to be gay? Mm, it's yeah. not. And I think yeah. no one would dream of saying that now because that like we've come so far like in yeah. accepting the LGBT community. I feel like fat phobia, fat shaming, weight discrimination, it's almost like the last acceptable form of prejudice and discrimination. Um, people are being given platforms every day not just online, but they're being invited onto shows on, you know, like Good Morning Britain with Piers Morgan, you know, they're being invited onto Loose Women, they're being given a platform to spout these really horrendously damaging views that are actually, it goes further than bullying, it's discrimination, and it wouldn't be acceptable in any other context, and they're using the argument that they're just concerned about people's health as an excuse to share some of these views. And I think what's really interesting is that a lot of the people that I see sharing these views, um, arguing for, in favour of fat shaming, for example, um, they all have a weight loss product to sell. <laughs> they all have a weight loss product to sell. Is intrinsically linked with capitalism. It's a huge subject, um, and it's not, I never made, I never connected the dots with, you know, body image and politics and, and, and capitalism and, and wealth and all of that stuff. I never saw when I first embarked on this journey of my own body acceptance, I never saw how they all fitted together. But as you go into it, they do all fit together. Um, it's a trap. Don't fall for it. It is a trap. <laughs> it's a goldfish bowl. But the, the joyful thing is that as soon as you start to recognise that, you can become informed at processing those messages. You know, you can, you have, we all have a certain amount of power over what we see in our social media feeds. So you can choose to follow real like positive people who make you feel good and you can choose to unfollow anyone who is like trying to peddle you this this stuff um to a certain extent and you can use like your click currency in a really positive way to raise those people up and and listen and inform and educate yourself um but the other thing is that once you become aware that this stuff exists i think at the beginning you probably feel really angry like i did and you're like oh my god i can't believe this is a thing diet culture is awful mm. Who's, who's, I'm going to write a letter to my MP. Who's allowing this to happen? Um, but actually, when you when you get over the angry bit, you can start to kind of process it in a positive way and just sort of take it with a pinch of salt sometimes and choose what you're going to get angry about and um, just kind of um, sometimes even laugh at it. Sometimes I do just laugh at it because I'm like, that I can't believe that that is even a thing. I can't yeah. believe that person's like the bikini video. That. Yeah, like how exactly. ridiculous like how yeah. ridiculous it is that like yeah. you think for this one you know few days out of the whole year that you're going to be in a bikini you like do all these ridiculous diet things like yeah. you know when when we were growing up it was 
really extreme stuff like the Special K diet or oh, the yeah. maple syrup diet or all these fucking yeah. bullshit things. Like, why are you eating cereal for lunch? Just have a normal yeah. lunch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, now it's all about detox teas and, you know, (laughs) counting your macros. And it's, I think the scary thing about diet culture is that as it evolves, like no diet companies really call themselves diets and they're all really at pains to say, we're not a diet. But if, I mean, (laughs) they are a diet. (laughs) And, And I think the fact that they are changing the way that they market is indicative that they know that diets aren't, aren't the one. They know that, they know that there's an increasing body of evidence to prove that they're not the one and that that isn't the route that we need to go down. Um, even for like intentional weight loss. <laughs> um, and, and the way that they, so they kind of shape shifting and they're becoming diff, more difficult to spot and they're disguising themselves as, as wellness or um, healthy. And actually that can be really confusing for people because it can be really difficult to, to, to realize like what are we what are we meant to do you know how how do we navigate this stuff but I think that if you just kind of become a little bit more aware of it and you start realizing that it's there even if none of your friends are quite there yet you can kind of think well I'm walking around with my eyes open you know I'm awake to this stuff now and and you do it does give you I feel it gives me I feel empowered by it it gives me a certain level of of power I'm taking back control so even though I work in this industry and I feel good about my body and um, I'm well aware of this doesn't mean that I'm immune to the messages of diet culture because we it's around me every day I mean frankly it's a wonder that any of us feel good in our skin when we've got all these messages telling us that we're not good enough but because I'm aware of diet culture, I feel like I have a certain amount of power that I can actually kind of talk myself off the ledge, so to speak. So if, you know, it's a week before my holiday and I know I'm wearing a bikini next week and I know that um, I don't have a toned tummy or a thigh gap or whatever. And like old me of 10 years ago would have like been mortified by that and I would have put myself on a diet and only eaten spinach for a week or whatever. Now I can kind of think, OK, right take this back you're more than your body doesn't matter your body is still beautiful it might not look like that but it's doing you know I can kind of talk myself off diving back into that goldfish bowl because I've been in that goldfish bowl and it wasn't a happy place I never want to go back in there no (laughs) no me neither thank you so much for sharing the work that you do I think it's so important and I feel so positive about myself and my body after this chat so oh yeah. <laughs> that's good that's, that's what I want yeah <laughs> I think like ultimately like it started off as a real selfish thing my own journey like trying to kind of feel better about myself and then as I started to feel better about myself I wanted my kids to feel good and now it's not enough I want to be part of changing the whole culture that they're growing up in yeah and that's why I invest so much time and energy into this um and I just think we I just think like it's as simple as this this idea that we're allowed to love ourselves as we are shouldn't exist in a corner of the internet and it shouldn't be a radical idea why is it such a radical controversial idea that we're allowed to like ourselves just the way we are right now in this minute as you're listening to this podcast you're allowed to I give you permission give yourself permission yeah (laughs) I could talk like all 
all day about this but <laughs> we've got to head into the quick round question so I ask every guest these at the end uh question number one is what is your go-to self-care ritual uh being anything that involves being outside so if I'm feeling like I need a bit of love and I need to give myself a bit of a hug I mean I love yoga and I don't like go and do yoga in a field but I think even beyond yoga just being outside has a real like meditative quality for me and I'm quite lucky I live in a little village in the countryside in Devon so whether that's like walking up a big hill on Dartmoor or just you know going for a run around the fields near my house that is for me that self-care um and that's ironic because back in the day I would have seen that as a punishment and something that oh I cannot be bothered to do that but now I now I really feel like it has a huge impact on on my mental and physical well-being just being outside I love it second question is what is challenging you to leave your comfort zone recently oh gosh I think I think every day at the moment with my work I am pushing myself further and further it's been a huge year for me I've been naked on tv multiple times (laughs) I've debated some big subjects um you know possibly like that some see as controversial subjects on live radio and telly and now I'm about to launch the second phase of my campaign which is going to involve um a huge amount of like events and round table discussions and panel discussions and that's scary because like that's a that's a big thing I'm one person you know who do I think I am doing that (laughs) and I can get like a real sense of imposter syndrome um and ironically like doing the like the big things like I mean also this year I jumped out of a plane for the first time and I did a skydive and I did all the you know (laughs) and but that kind of stuff doesn't scare me as much it and and even like being on tv doesn't scare me it's kind of what my job is but I think this campaign at the moment is really pushing me out of my comfort zone because it's potentially trying to make a huge difference and if I think about it too long then I'm like oh my gosh no oh, I need yeah. to go back and write for like glossy magazines about kitchens that's <laughs> yeah, so much yeah. easier <laughs> yeah you can't you can't like reason with yourself when it comes to such a like your life's work and your vision for you know what you're on this planet to do because you yeah. do you will just talk yourself out of it <laughs> yeah <laughs> what, what are your goals for the rest of this year moving into 2020 so my goals for like the last the last bit of this year I want to create um at least three panel events around this free from diets campaign where I'm inviting people to come along and have a listen to a really interesting panel debate do a Q&A I want to invite teachers and head teachers people from the weight loss industry people from diet companies people from the advertising industry influencers to come and have these conversations and then I want to create a series of roundtable discussions off the back of these panel discussions I want to basically create a really exciting community-led event um and that is going to happen I'm working with an amazing woman Chelsea at um Well Defined who's helping me she's basically like working as a campaign manager for me helping me create some really exciting things that are hopefully gonna really like bring this conversation mainstream and then I want to take that conversation around the country with a tour of events which is is not just about events and like selling tickets for people to come and like chat it's actually about 
creating change. And that's where the panel events then lead to a roundtable discussion with people in positions of power who have the power to make these changes. Um, and for each event, we will come up with one specific change that we all agree on that we're going to take to that roundtable discussion and get them to actually hopefully agree to implement it. I want to write a book. I want to write a book about how to raise body happy kids. I want to run a retreat with my podcast. We want to create some kind of online course with experts because we we have such an amazing a range of resources um, and, and uh, incredible minds that we're interviewing every week with our podcast. And we have a really cool community and a really engaged, responsive community. And I feel like we need to offer something more. Um, so I want to do that. We, uh, I want to do more like live podcast events. And I would really like to take this conversation mainstream. And my ultimate thing, I would love to do more radio and have like a weekly radio show where I discuss some of this stuff. Yeah. So if you're listening, radio bosses, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm available for hire. So, yeah, big ambitions. But I guess you can't achieve anything if you don't have a goal. So that's what I'm aiming for. <laughs> How exciting. Do you have um, a favourite resource that you're loving recently that you would recommend to everyone? Yeah, so it's. I don't know if you would describe it as a resource, but I read a book uh, a couple of months ago and I've just been recommending it to all my friends who are parents, but even friends who aren't parents. So it's, it's, it's a book called Jemima Small versus the Universe and it's by an author called Tamsin Winter. And it's it's a fiction book and it's aimed at sort of children and teenagers and it's about a girl who's in year eight who is regularly fat shamed and she's sent to a diet club she's super super brainy and super intelligent but she doesn't have the guts to go for this amazing like um quiz show which is like a kid's version of brainiacs and it's just about her journey of self-acceptance and how she navigates some of these things that are happening to her and I think that if you're a parent, it's a really great way to introduce the subject of body image in a really kind and gentle way. Um, and a lot of people who've watched Naked Beach will message me and say, oh, I need some more resources. And I will now recommend that book because I think it's a really fantastic, really loving, positive, uplifting, happy book. But even if you don't have kids, it's worth reading because it's just a really lovely read. And, you know, if you've got nieces or little brothers or sisters or, you know, younger friends, then get them to read it. I just think everyone should read it. So, I mean, I, I read a lot of stuff and some of this stuff's like really highbrow. You know, I'm reading also at the moment, um, rereading The Beauty Myth and Fat as a Feminist Issue. So they're like real like seminal, big, like academic highbrow texts. But Jemima Small versus the Universe is just a really lovely story and it's definitely not on the scale of like being this big academic tomb but that is why I love it because again it's someone else who's doing something to bring this conversation mainstream um so yeah I'm gonna recommend that <laughs> I love it I'll link it in the show notes <laughs> yeah to check it's out as well. thank you so much um where can people go to follow you online where can people um, go to find the campaign you know, and yeah. just keep up with everything that you're up to. So uh, online on Instagram and Twitter, I'm at Molly J Forbes. It's Molly with a Y. And then Forbes is F-O-R-B-E-S. 
And I, in my Instagram bio, I have a, a link tree and it links to the campaign page where you can sign the petition. You can watch the campaign video that I made with had loads of um, really cool kids be involved in like telling the campaign video, basically watch the campaign video. Cause if you weren't won over by this podcast, I feel like the video might win you over. It's a load of kids telling us what makes them so brilliant. And it's nothing about the way they look. Um, and uh, you can listen to my podcast, which is body cons and it's on all the platforms. Uh, but again, that is linked in my Instagram bio. So probably the best thing is just to head to Instagram. Um, I also have a blog, mothersalwaysright.com, and all my work is on there, and it's linked on there as well. Or just Google me. <laughs> Although you might, if you Google me, you'll probably come up with pictures of me in body paint. So just be aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so much. I've loved this conversation. And we've I know we've like ran over loads, but I was, yeah, we're just so passionate about this message. Um, if anyone has any questions as well, can they DM you on Instagram? Of course, or yeah. Or? I mean, one thing, yeah, I would say with Instagram, uh, I can't like, offer, like I said, I'm not a nutritionist um, and I'm not a mental health expert. And so I can't like offer specific advice, but I will always signpost. I answer every single DM that I get. Um, you know well within reason I get some dodgy ones that I don't <laughs> answer <laughs> um but you know a lot of people reach out to me every day um sharing their story and it's really touching to for to be in a position where people feel they even though they don't know me they trust me to want to share their story and that's never going to get old no matter how many messages I get and I really appreciate that and so I reply to every message um and if I can't offer you know advice then I'll always signpost so do slide into my dms unless you're some kind of guy wanting to send me a dick pic and then just don't because i'm not interested <laughs> that happens so much honestly <laughs> oh that is that is a whole other conversation oh gosh but yeah, yeah i don't think any guys who are that horrible to do that are listening at this point anyway so oh i know hopefully <laughs> not hopefully we got rid of them at the beginning <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much thank you thank you so much for having me thank you so much for listening to put yourself first if you enjoyed it or you have any feedback i would love you to leave me a rating and review wherever you're listening to this and if you'd like to reach out to me on social media to let me know you enjoyed it or just have a chat and say hi i'm at cat underscore horrocks on twitter and instagram and if you're feeling extra kind share this on to a friend who you know needs to hear this one too.